Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! Gee, money, Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Three games left in the NFL regular season, and the Colts are in control of their own destiny. The Horseshoes are 8-6, a season-high two games over 500. they They've won seven of their last nine, and they're coming off a very impressive 27-17 win over the Patriots last week. And now they get ready for a Christmas night showdown with the 10-4 Arizona Cardinals out west in week number 16. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and... Rick, the Colts got the job done last week like they've been doing all season. A dominant running game, Jonathan Taylor, elite special teams play and takeaways by the defense. Yeah, no question about it, Matt. It was an absolutely night of magic. You could, I could sense it on my way down. There was just, it was in the air. Uh, I think two things that really stood out to me, I may have even mentioned uh, in our roundtable Monday, but they, mm-hmm. they just stuck with me as one you know, I say this all the time. Don't think that your home crowd doesn't have a lot to do with how you play. And it just doesn't start with the game. You know, those vibes are there all week. I know people worried about our team, you know, that we had so many new guys and so much turnover that they didn't understand, you know, the, quote, rivalry. They didn't understand you, the pain I was, we've had. I was wrong about that. I mean, I, I, well, said, no, 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 I no. said all I week, hey, it's a, legitimate. Yeah, I, it was, I mean, it's a young team that doesn't have the history, but you're right. right. They, they took on, they, they personified the fan base in that game. Well, you know, Matt, I say this to you a lot, and I, normally I say it in reverse. Normally I say that, you know, that the team, no matter what you tell them, you know, they're still products of their environment. They go out to dinner, uh, they watch TV, they, they meet with people in the community, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it really does, it, it, it can affect you, and a lot of times where it affects you is when you're a prohibitive favorite and everybody looks at the game as a wash, and I always worry about that aspect of it, because it tends to uh, it tends to bring your intensity down, but I do believe in this one that the vibe was there all weekend. Kids that had never even heard of the rivalry. I mean, we went out and played with a 53-man roster, just on fire uh, with a passion. When Darius Leonard was introduced before the game, and he came out of that tunnel. I'm telling you, if you didn't have some chills, then you're just not human. I mean, you know, with his his intensity, and we played like that. And then the second thing that was huge for me from a football standpoint is, you know, this game was a signature game of who we are. This was this was a victory against a good franchise and a historic franchise and all that. But this wasn't a fluke. Uh, you know, this wasn't, you know, a one-time thing. This wasn't like, well, we, we, we made, we gimmicked it and we made some plays here and we, you know, we got the, no, no, this was the signature. We won with our three bylines. One, you know, we gave it to the man. We ran it to the man. Mm -hmm. We pounded him. We pounded him with that running game and that offensive line. Receivers were involved making good blocks on the eighth guy in the box but at the end of the day, Jonathan put their lights out. So, number one, we won with our strength. Number two, our strength, our 1A, is the ability to turn it over. And the two turnovers 
at the roundabout, Leonard's interception, Okariki's interception. That is that really created a ten point swing in a game that at one point was twenty to seventeen. I mean, those were two big plays. In other words, the defense that you know it does its signature. You know, there's there's things that you'd like to do better, but nobody does that better. So we got that done. And then number three, our third signature, if you want to put them all together, is that we had great special teams again. I mean, and, and I think you and I talked about it, that this the block kick, a block kick is normally fatal to an opponent. This one was stunning because of the setting, because of the impact and the importance of the game when it happens right after a score. I mean, this I'm not sure that the Patriots ever totally recovered from that play. I think, you know, don't get me wrong, they fought their way back in, but they, you know, they I think they were hesitant after that. And and I, I think it's a great play. So to me, the greatest thing there was, you know, the ability to go in there and beat them with our game by establishing yep. who we were. And, and I was really, really happy with that. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football. We're going to talk about the Cardinals up next. The Cardinals are 10-4. and four. They're coming off of two really disappointing losses. They lost to the Rams and then a head-scratcher to the Lions. We'll get there in just a moment. But let's talk about the Colts after that win. Let's start on offense. 27 points. Um, really, it was 20 because you have to take away the, the seven points yeah, on the yeah. block punt. But still, 20 points on the number one scoring defense. Jonathan Taylor continues to show how special he is. Uh, just what were your overall takeaways, good and bad, from the offense last week against the Patriots? Well, you know, we started out on fire. I mean, you know, that's a credit to Frank. Frank always has his team uh, ready to go. They're always ready to go early. <laughs> Sometimes we have to live through those fourth quarters. But he has his team ready to go. Uh, you know, the 27 points, doesn't matter how you get them. This team was only giving up 15-4. Right. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, we, we, we really had a good day that way. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the rushing, uh, you know, Taylor, no question about that. The overall 200-plus rushing, you know, I felt we could move the ball running, but we really – it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to go do it. Uh, Jonathan Taylor – there's just no better. There's no better to watch. There's no better player in the league right now. You can argue any any way you want to. There's nobody better. Our offensive line and receivers are doing a really good job running. I thought the design was really good. Um, a lot of multiple tight ends that didn't allow them to get overshifted defenses. Uh, and again, a good job on blocking the uh, the edge guys, the eighth guy, and let him run it. You know, the three fourths and inches were important. Uh, I, I have no trouble with fourth and inches because of Nelson and Wentz. I, I have no trouble fourth and one, fourth and two. You know, that's a little bit different decision. But fourth and inches, you've got a quarterback who's so big and can find it. You know, and then I thought this, the sequence that really got us going, a forgotten play in the game, is Doolin's long run to get going this early in the game. And what that did, it not only got us across the 50 and down there right off the bat, but it also somebody that was going to play us really inside hard on Jonathan. All of a sudden, that softened him up. Then we come right back and pounded with mm, Jonathan. No doubt. And then we got the creative wildcat. You know, we got the creative wildcat playing there. So, you know, those were the real positives of the game. Um, and again, uh, you know, at the end, I think you, you can't underestimate, you know, the the fact that we just kept pounding. Frank has said that he he resisted throwing the ball on that second and ten. 
And then Taylor, he just put the lights out. I mean, just just absolutely nothing like it. You know, now I really it's a signature. Uh, as we go forward, I think you know, you know a couple things there is you know we got to make sure that Carson just doesn't you know doesn't throw that ball into traffic in critical situations. Um, you know, we got by with a couple, and they did get the pick. You know, and then you know I think there is going to be some situations where you know, we're going to have to throw the ball a little bit better. I'll, it doesn't matter if we don't have to. Wonderful. I just can't see us going through a long run mm-hmm. and not be able to throw a ball a little bit better uh, than we did. But overall, a really, really good day to pound them into submission. Uh, nothing kills that franchise, kills that head coach like running the ball down his throat. Trust me on that one. I'd have hate to have been a defensive guy on there Monday. <laughs> You've lived it. Ideally, we get some GoPro footage of that, but don't count on it. Um, <laughs> all right. Then on defense, the Colts, as you said, they, they just continue to take the ball away at, at an epic level here. Yeah. Two more takeaways, bumping their season total up to 31, which leads the NFL. It's the most takeaways in a season, by the way, for the Colts since 2007. The linebackers, I mean, what what more do you want from that group? You had two picks from Leonard and Okereke. Speed got the touchdown on the special teams play. Matt Adams got the block punt. Uh, just across the board, the linebackers, all homegrown talent from Chris Ballard and the Colts played outstanding. What was the grade for the defense coming out of that New England game? Oh, no, no I thought I thought it was a very, very good effort. I, I thought, you know, and, and, and we've gotten better and better in a couple areas. First of all, 17 points 17 points is playoff football and and again you were going in against a team that was 10th that was averaging 26 five so i always i always look at the relative points you know i've always looked at it a defensive coordinator you know it's one thing to shut out houston it's another thing to hold the patriots um you know 10 points under their under their uh under their ratio that's even better accomplishment the turnovers as you said I thought Buckner's sack early was really um, – it was also one of those message setters, tempo setters. Uh, we did a good job. I think we should do more of this. I've said it all year. Move him around. He doesn't have to stay inside. They move Aaron Donald around all the time. They moved him out on Wynn on, the, on their left tackle. He came underneath Wynn. Wynn wasn't used to that kind of size and speed. And that was a big sack. That was a tempo setter. Uh, no, question, no question about that. I think our corners since the New York Jets game, uh, you know, when we just I, – I just cried a river. But <laughs> since then, I think our corners have just played so much better, so much stickier. Uh, you can see it statistically in our past defense. Numbers have risen. Our past percentages have risen exponentially, you know, since the Jet game. And it really matters. You, can't, it, it, you know, you, it, you know, they just couldn't beat us outside the numbers. I didn't think they could going in, but we proved that they that, that they could really, um, you know. And then I thought we were, you know, we were solid, uh, you know, solid versus their running game. They didn't run it. I don't think as much as a lot of people expected. Although the, you know, the twenty to nothing that affected that, that some hand. deal. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing though, I think we have to we have to keep it real is that we just have not played well in fourth quarters on defense. We haven't closed games out. We closed this game out with Jonathan Taylor. We didn't really close it out on defense. And, you know, that's a bit of a problem going forward. If you're going to go all the way 17 points in the fourth quarter, and a couple of them we got a break. I mean, you know, they jumped off the stupidity of the Patriots. They jumped off sides 
and then we were able to get three on the field goal that we missed, and then they were third and one on the one and got a stupid offsides penalty. And so all those things helped us, and it was still 17 unanswered points. And the only reason I bring that up is it's a one-time thing, but it's not a one-time thing. We're 31st in the league at 9.4 points given up in the fourth quarter. And that's really got to cease. But I really think I really think that it's one thing, and it's one thing that we just have to fix, and that's the four-man rush. I think what's killing us right now, uh, you know, the 31st on, on fourth quarter and then the 21st in sacks, those are things that yeah. are troublesome to me, and you've got to fix it. And you've got to be able to have a four-man rush in the fourth quarter. You know, we did a really good job early in the game. Matt was bringing the safeties, the linebackers. We were hitting them in the backfield off the edge with safeties, with, with Leonard off the edge. We were blitzing just five guys and doing real well. But, at, you know, by the, by the fourth quarter, they got that. They've got that rhythm, and you eventually have to go into a coverage game. I'm not talking a prevent game. Right. I'm talking about just a coverage game. And then you've got to get that four-man rush. And really, other than Buckner, we are just not getting it consistently. And so, you know, that's I, I really believe it. Our coverage, like I said, has improved immensely. At one time, we would just play soft there. We're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. It's just now it's a matter of getting in. I would like to see us settle on a four-man rush that we're going to play every third down and, and in, the, in every fourth quarter. And, and to me, what it should be, it should be Toure, Pay, yep. it should, and then inside it should be Deo and Buckner. And just stay with them and stay with them, and you get creative with Buckner. Buckner's the guy that moves around to get him on their weakest sister. But stay with that group. Stay with that group over and over and over until you get it. All right, the Colts win it. Uh, that's all that matters. They're eight and six. They've won seven of their last nine, and now they're squarely in the playoff mix. Three games left in the season, that's an eternity. And we know that the playoff picture in the AFC, man, it, it fluctuates, it changes uh, on a week-to-week basis. So who knows how this is going to finish out. So let's turn the page. Let's talk about the Cardinals up next on the big picture. This is the first time the Colts will ever play a game on Christmas Day. So interesting nugget right there. But the Cardinals, they have played on Christmas before. Actually, this is their third time on the big holiday. They're 10-4 on the season. But they've lost back-to-back games, including a head-scratcher to the worst team in football as of last Sunday, the Detroit Lions. If they beat the Colts this Saturday, the Cardinals would secure their 11th playoff berth in team history and their first since 2015. And, Rick, they are a very complimentary team. They are one of just six teams in the NFL that ranks in the top ten in both points scored per game and points allowed per game this season. They rank eighth in the NFL in scoring offense and fifth in scoring defense. The offense is led by Kyler Murray. Um, they have two pretty good backs in James Conner and Chase Edmonds. They no, long, uh, no longer have DeAndre Hopkins. He's on IR. He'll miss uh, at least the rest of the regular season. On defense, they give up only 20 points per game. They're pretty stingy at uh, giving up rushing touchdowns, just like the Colts. Chandler Jones, he's a nightmare to block up front. He has the most sacks in the history of the Cardinals franchise, and he leads the NFL in sacks since he broke into the league in 2012. So that's my look at the uh, Cardinals in the big picture. Rick, what else stands out to you about this team 10-4 and four, heading into this game? No, on Christmas I, I night? think that's right, Matt. But I think if you, if you look at them, if you peel the onion, you know, statistically, it, it, it's a little bit like the Patriots. It's what you 
see on the stats and what you see with your eyes, particularly lately. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically it's not sometimes who you play, it's when you play them. And if you look at the Cardinals, it's this is a bit of a tale of two seasons, really within a season. I mean, a lot of the statistics, I think Chandler Jones had five sacks in the first game. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if you look at their first seven games, most of their positive statistics were built in that 7-0 run. But the reality of the now is that they've lost four out of seven, three out of five, however you want to cut it. Three of those losses are in Phoenix there, in Phoenix. So this is a team that is not playing like it did in week seven, to be honest with you. I think I think the loss of Hopkins has been huge. It's It's been more than just a guy. I think Hopkins was the security blanket for Murray. If Murray didn't, if, if he couldn't think of what to do, or the coach couldn't think of what to do, just throw it up to Hopkins and let him go get it. I mean, that, and we've seen that. We've seen that when he was a Texan. But that isn't there right now. And I do think even though they're still highly skilled, they've struggled a little bit with that here lately. Now, there's no question about it. The kid at quarterback is phenomenal, diminutive. Now, he is really small, but he is really dynamic. I mean, and to me, the wow plays by Murray come when he's on the move. This is a game now. You must, you must have a great rush plan. And you've got to be able to stop the NCAA plays because they're first down, they're first and second down. I mean, it's Kingsbury. It's, it's, like, it's like Texas Tech. I mean, it's NCAA, air raid. It's, it's all that stuff that you're playing in the NCAA. So you've got to be ready for that. And then on third down, they, be, they come back and become an NFL team with your trips and your ace and your multiple receivers. But still the big wild plays come when he's on the move, if he gets to the edge or if you bust a rush lane inside and he gets out because he can, he can make 40 yards running, but he can really throw well on the run. I mean, the guy really throws well on the run. He throws a good deep ball. You know, pretty good skills, as you said. A.J. Green's still there. Kirk is having a good year. And, um, you know, I think Ertz is one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. We'll talk about this as we get into the must. I think Connor's really underrated type of player. And then you kind of mentioned it on defense. On and I think they're I think they're struggling. I don't think they've played nearly as well mm-hmm. on. I mean, Detroit just mauled them, Matt. I mean, they absolutely mauled them. They took the ball and they ran it right down their throat. I'll get into that. And they were in heavy fronts. It's not like they were in light fronts. They just got handled. Uh, you know, obviously the highlight of their team are those two edge rushers, uh, Golden and Jones, twenty and a half sacks between them. You know, uh, Buda Baker is really a good, tough safety. You know, Simmons and, and Hicks are really tough linebackers. So, I mean, they've got they've got personnel on both sides of the ball, and I don't think there's any question that they were humiliated Sunday uh, by the Lions. So, you know, it's it, it works two ways. It's a confidence shatterer or you know they come back and they and they fight like heck. But I would rather have them in this situation. I would rather have them coming off this four and seven when we go out there on Sunday, yeah. you know, than I would have them fourteen and zero. All right, let's bust out the blueprints. Let's talk first about the Cardinals on offense. They're a top ten offense in scoring and total yards. They're tied with Tampa Bay with eight thirty point games on the season, and it all and it all starts 
with dual threat quarterback Kyler Murray. He's the first player in NFL history with 60 or more touchdown passes and 20 or more touchdown runs in his first 41 games. And he's just the second player ever with 10,000 or more passing yards and 1,500 or more rushing yards in their first three seasons joining Cam Newton. Uh, On the season, 69.8 completion percentage. That ranks second. His passer rating of 102.3 ranks fourth. In fact, he's had five games on the year over 120 in passer rating, which is tied with Kurt Warner for the most such games in a single season in team history. James Conner, great weapon at running back. He has 16 total touchdowns on the season. That ranks third in the NFL. And then in the passing game, it's former Bengal A.J. Green and rookie Rondell Moore out of Purdue carrying the load now that DeAndre Hopkins is on the shelf with an injury. And as you said, they also turn to tight end Zach Ertz as well in that capacity, Rick. So give us the skinny on the Cardinals offense heading into this game, a big game for them after a really bad outing against the Lions last week. Yeah, the first thing you got to know is that basically their offense is a combination of NCAA football on early downs, and then it tries to become an NFL team on third down. Right. And by that, I mean that this is RPO City. Uh, this is zone reads with the quarterback, uh, bootlegs with the quarterback. I mean, he's going to run those zone reads and keep it. Uh, no question about that. And then if they get behind in the count, you know, then they'll get in. They'll be in the gun all the time, but they'll get in the spreads and, you know, try to quick release it. Uh, I think, you know, I think you said this, and I agree totally. I, th- I think Connor is very underrated. He's having a really good year. He gives them a banger inside. He's a very tough runner. Um, he's got a little bit of juice in terms of uh, elusiveness, but he is he's going to pound you. Uh, you have to tackle him and get him down. He's a better receiver than I thought coming out of the backfield. You can't go to sleep on him. He's a good route runner coming out, and he can – catch it and run so they've got a pretty good runner you know they got Edmonds back now Edmonds was out and so they've got a dual threat running back Edmonds is smaller a little bit more of an elusive loose play guy and then they've got the three guys I said at receiver I mean AJ Green is their split end is their X guy you know he's the guy on the weak side that if you if you bring the coverage over he's the guy they want to go one-on-one on the weak side you know, A.J., we played against him a million times, acrobatic guy, you know, 50-50. Red zone, they, they'll throw fade to him every other play, fade and back fade. So you, you really have to compete with him. Not the fastest guy in the world, and I really believe you can jam the heck out of him at the line of scrimmage. He gives you a lot of body to hit, uh, but you have to compete with him. He's their one-on-one guy on the weak side. Uh, Kirk has really come on. Kirk is actually, you know, their leading receiver with 62 catches and eight, 812 yards, 13-1, five TDs. And he's a guy that is really excelling in the slot. He's sneaky fast in there. If he gets a bad matchup, he can get over the top. But he's having a really good year. And, he, you know, his role without Hopkins has expanded. And just to regress one minute, the one other thing that I I really like about Connor is this guy's hungry around the goal line. This guy's got 12 TDs. I mean, he's very hungry when he gets in the red zone. And then a couple specialists I think you got to really be ready for. We know Rondell Moore around here. I mean, he's a big play guy. 
ready to happen. You know, he's the return guy, the Purdue kid, but he is a reverse guy. He's run wildcats, speed sweeps, screen passes. They love to throw screens on first down to Kirk and to Moore and to Connor. That's one of their big approaches. But he's a guy that you have to cluster as a specialist. If he's around that backfield, he's around either in that tight wing or in that backfield. He's there for a reason, and you know he can take it to the house. And then I think one of the best hybrids tight ends in the league is Ertz. You know, Ertz is he's got 34 catches, but you know he's got three touchdowns. They're going to get him the ball. Murray really likes him in that third and three to seven window, right in that tight window. He loves him, and then Maddie loves him in the red zone. So, you know, that's the skilled part of their team. I mean, really, they're they're not very good in the offensive line. Uh, you know, they've got issues at, at left tackle. Uh, you know, with Humphreys, they got they got issues at, at at right guard, whether it's Garcia or Jones, their right tackle. But the problem is is you have to have such a disciplined rush against this guy. And he erases a lot of their issues with his ability to scramble. You know, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you've, got, you've, you've just got to make them play NFL football and cut his legs away. In, in terms of the must, again, very much, it's very similar to playing Baltimore, okay? You, you've got to have a good double-edged plan, okay? You, you've got to have a really good plan, and the Colts have been very good at this in the last couple of years of stopping the NCAA game, the zone reads. Um, and, but this guy's for real now. He's going to pull it and go. So you really, your edges have to be really be disciplined. You know, it's a form of option football, even though we don't think of it as option, but it really is. And you got to be really disciplined, and you got to gang tackle. Uh, I think probably along with that, and maybe even more importantly, is you just have to have a rush plan. And I'm not talking about necessarily a blitz plan. How do you rush this guy? Well, the first thing is do not let him on our edge. Okay, you have to set the edge on this guy. If he gets outside, I mean, all hell is going to break loose. It's going to be like a punt return, or he's going to throw that ball 45 yards downfield. So that it starts there. And then discipline inside because he can duck in and out and do the same thing. So, again, be very disciplined. Uh, I think when you're your four-man rush, it's a little bit more of a mush rush this week. Uh, bring some pressure. And when you bring four, don't be afraid to play man-to-man and use Leonard as that fifth guy where he gets in there. And it's not really a hug. It's just almost a, it's almost a secondary blitz. But he has the ability. He has a sense for it. And then I think you should six-man blitz him sometimes. And, you know, when you six-man blitz him, you force him to throw hot, and you're taking his wheels away. So those are, those are the big things. Again, as a good friend of mine who covers uh, that division said to me, when you, when you see him live, he said, there's two things <laughs> you will, will hit you. Number one, you won't believe how small he is. And number two, you won't believe how fast he is. Yeah. So, you know, I think those two things. The biggest thing that I, I'm telling my team this week is we want to keep him deep in the well. We want to make him play an NFL football game. I want my fast guys on the edges to turn him in, and then I want trees like Buckner and Deo this week. I want I get those hands my up. tall yep. guys 
to make that kid play short. We always say it with Drew Brees. Yep. Make him play short. I'm not saying he is short. Just make him play short. You know, but at the end of the day, he's got the ninth QBR. It's gone down a little bit. At one time, he was up four or five, you know, and he's got 270 yards rushing with 3,000. At the end of the day, if you control Murray, that's why I have it as number one. You'll control them. Number two, you know, make sure that we stop, you know, Connors. Don't let Connor get going. He's tough, pushes the pile. As I said, he gets really hungry with 12 TDs around the goal line. Pretty good on screens. You know, the numbers are there. Edmonds in back. When Edmonds is in there, it's a little bit more draw, a little bit more loose play. He's shorter, maybe a little bit quicker. Uh, but they haven't been a great running team. They're 22nd at 4.1, so that's the reality of it. You know, I think number three, we must control the deep ball. He, he again, is like a lot of kids that have come out of college. Most of those kids, you know, run the ball well and throw the deep ball, and then they struggle on the in-between. But he does throw it effectively. He's not afraid to throw it in any situation. Again, you got to compete like hell with Green on the 50-50 ball. When you get around that red zone, I mean, you got to have your guy that can go up and play him because, you know, they're like old school. You know, some teams don't do that anymore, but he is the mm-hmm. he's the fade, fade, stop guy. Uh, be very alert for Kirk in the slot, you know. And then, again, a really good plan for more. And, and, and the plan, it's not so much that you game plan more. It's just you're aware of him, and when he's around that box, everybody's got ready just to play great discipline. Don't give him an edge. And then I do think that Ertz is the key guy because we have struggled. Now, we have struggled with tight ends week in, week out. I mean, we just have so much trouble with tight ends. They seem to have really good days against us. And this guy is really good, Ertz. Ertz is a really good receiver. And so you've got to be able to put the stop on him where you really have to cover him is third down in red zone. You get in that red zone, you got to cover Ertz, and you got to cover um, A.J. Again, number four, just we talked about that a little bit. You know, make sure that we got more contained all the time. No big plays to more return game. And then I think number five, this is critical, and this is what Detroit was able to do. It's, it's one thing to say. It's another thing to do it. Really important here to establish the lead and force them into an NFL drop back. Their tackles really can't protect. They don't pick up blitzes. And their quarterback's just not the same deep in the well. He just is not. So we got to keep him in, crush the right side of their line while keeping contained, and run the weak side on the left side on their, on their tackles on the edge. Bring it, bring it, and cut off his wheels. I, if, when you watch the Detroit game, once Detroit gets the lead, okay, and they force them, and Detroit keeps bringing people, it just is not the same. So establishing the lead is critical. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football. I'm Matt Taylor breaking down the Cardinals' defense as we shift over to that side of the ball. The Cardinals give up only 20 points per game, Rick. That's fourth best in the NFL. They've held eight teams to 20 points or less on the season, third most in the league, a top-five unit against the pass, allowing only 210 yards per game. And they get after you under defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. They're fifth in sacks this season and fifth in total sacks since 2019 when he took over. And the Cardinals are a very impactful defense, Rick. They might give up some yards, but they make up for it with impactful plays, such as 18 forced fumbles tied for second. 
60 passes defensed, 80 quarterback hits, 61 tackles for loss, and the biggest impactful player on that defense is Chandler Jones. He's the all-time leader in sacks in club history, leads the NFL in sacks, force fumbles, and strip sacks since coming into the NFL in 2012, and among active players trails only Von Miller in career sack total. So it's going to be another strong test for the Colts offense coming up on Christmas night. Yeah, and we've got a lot of experience in this situation, particularly with three teams, okay? This team is structured in a 3-4. Uh, everybody has their versions of 3-4, um, you know, but we saw a 3-4 version, primarily a double sink um, against Tampa. Uh, we saw a 3-4 sink and, and base 3-4 against uh, the Patriots, and now we come back and see a 3-4 with overlooks and double sinks and things like that. Now, where the commonality is on these teams, and, and, it, and it's good and it's bad, is that all these teams have big outside linebackers who are really rush guys first. I call them Clydesdales in coverage, and it hurts them. But what the, 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 the structure is built so that those two guys on the edge are rushers more often than not. That that forces certain types of coverage, but it also brings five a lot. So they're disruptive, as you said. There isn't any question about it. And, you know, obviously it starts with Jones. Jones hasn't been quite as impactful as he was early in the season, and they're going to be on both sides. Sometimes Jones is going to be on the left. Sometimes he's going to be on the right. I think he'll be on our left most of the time. And then Golden, you know, Golden has 11 and a half sacks on the other side, number 44. So, you know, they're getting half of their sacks. You talked about the good sack number, but over 50% of them is coming out of those two guys. So, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's something that you got to know going in. I like their two inside linebackers. I really do. They're two different kinds of guys. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Hicks is the, you know, he's, he's the leading tackler. He's the hammer. He reminds me of Bentley with New England. And then Simmons is a terrific athlete. He's he's not he does he's not the playmaker yet that Leonard is, but he's that kind of guy. He can blitz, um, he can run sideline to sidelines. He's a tremendous, you know, he was lottery pick uh athlete coming out of college. Um, very, very good. So you have kind of a I call him the hitman Hicks, and then you got Uber athlete in Simmons. Uh, I think a couple good safeties. I, I've always liked uh, Buda Baker. He's usually their down guy. When they make an eight-man front, they like to have him in the box or around it. And then Thompson's a very good guy at the free safety. Now, they've got one really good corner in Murphy. And Murphy was playing, you know, the matchup corner, the number one corner, and then he was moving inside to play nickel. But Alford was struggling so bad that last week they made a switch on that and they left Murphy outside and they brought Hamilton in to play the nickel so that they didn't have as big a void on the outside. But, you know, you know, I, I, I think the other guy, I think the other corner uh, struggles to some degree, uh, you know, Wilson, the young kid, I think you can get after him. Now what they like to do uh, as a unit is they like to make their three, four, and what I call a load or an overshift. They like to shift everybody to the tight end, keep their backers weak, and then I thought we would get this from Belichick, but we didn't. 
and then bring uh, Buda Baker down into that strong side behind the lineman. And that's a really good balance front. That's something that you're going to see right. um, for they're going to try to set that up to stop Jonathan. You'll see some double sinking. And then last week, now last week was interesting. It, 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 it took me a long time yesterday to break this down. But they actually, Detroit gave them a lot of heavy formations of 22 uh, personnel, you know, two tight ends, two backs, mm-hmm. you know, 12 personnel, kind of like a little bit like we did. We don't use two backs, but we did it with 12 and 13 against the Patriots. And <laughs> I'll be darned if the Cardinals didn't come out with a six-man front. I mean, they had their two outside linebackers. They had four linemen. They had they had uh, uh, two linebackers in there and two safeties. I mean, they 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 had the two Thompson boys and they had only one corner in Murphy. In other words, they almost play almost looked like they. And this was on first down. This wasn't this wasn't in the red zone. This was you know a matchup thing to stop Detroit's running game. Uh, with kind of, I, I'm just going to call it a six-two package, and so you know, don't be surprised if we don't see something like that with our, you know, with our terrific running game. So you got to be ready for those heavy sets. But here's the bottom line: the bottom line is, regardless of the sets, it's a, it's a little bit like New England. Regardless of the sets, they don't stop the run very well. Right. well we're, I'm going to get into it. I mean, they are, yeah, they are number. What, what is it? They're number twenty-seven. Given up 4.6 yards per uh, carry. Yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you know, it's 17th total, but it, more important is what do you give up per rush? Sure. And that's 27, very much like New England was 19th. And so this is another game that regardless of how heavy they are, you know, this is, a, this is another team that you can, you, can, you can pound, and that's exactly Detroit just came in and absolutely mauled them. So my must are this. Number one, you know, we, got, we just got to keep, keep Taylor just keeping him alive regardless of the fronts. And we did a magnificent job. You know, we, when they get, when they got in the sink, which we'll see, we pinched that, we pinched that with our linemen. We never let anybody penetrate. We got the eighth guy blocked, the eighth guy in the box with our, with our, our wide receivers who did terrific job. And because of that, what, what you're not, what they're not getting, they're not getting free hits on Jonathan. They're not in our backfield. They're not, even when they're firing, we got hats on them. You know, I mean, there may have been one exception, but overall, we're getting hats on people, and that's what's really important because when you really break this team down, they are really not that physical. And you can run right at Simmons. Simmons is a great athlete, but he is not stout. You can pound at him, and their edge guys are guys, you know, like I said, they're rushers first, but when you run those speeds and those things to the outside, they're Clydesdales. They're not great on there. I've seen Golden miss tackle after tackle on that edge out there. So you want to pound inside. And when they get that over, just pound that ball weak at Simmons. Just pound it until he cries, to be honest with you. And, you know, be ready for those heavy fronts and adjust to it. But, again, the biggest thing is let's keep patience. Let's keep our running game going in this big one out there. I think – the one thing I'd like to see us do, and I mentioned this to you during the game, we started, but we never really got around to it. And, you know, at the end, we didn't need it, so that's fine. But I do think that we can attack their corners, you know, particularly the Wilson kid. And if they if they do move um, uh, Murphy inside a nickel, I think we can take some shots every once in a while on first down. And it doesn't have to be crossing counter. Sometimes I think just work on that outside, you know, and just work on that outside 
And every once in a while, because you know when teams are playing us every single first down, that, that corner's by himself. I mean, they, they're going to play with eight. They're not, they're not going to help anybody, and we haven't demanded any help. And I just think that there's a time that we can open that up just a little bit on first down and attack those corners individually, be ready to go to a touchdown, check down if we need it. Mm-hmm. They have real trouble with play action. And, you know, again, all three of these teams that we talked about have trouble with play action because when you're playing those big guys on the edge, they're always on the line of scrimmage. So any play fake, they ain't getting out of there. They ain't getting out of there in time. I mean, there's not. And when they do get out of there, they're not good cover guys. You can beat them into the flat you know, because of those outside backers, when they're dropping, they're just not great athletes. The flats are there. The swing passes, screen them. And occasionally you can run a wheel on them. Uh, Detroit got a big touchdown on an over wheel, uh, working right at those outside backers. So don't forget that. Again, number four, you mentioned it from the beginning. No, no question about this. You've got to protect the edges. Okay, you can't. You know going in that they've got two rushers. You know, Chandler Jones has been for several years one of the premier guys. You know that we struggle a little bit. So let us make sure that schematically we're not stringing our two tackles out all day long on those guys. And there's got to be some help, some kind of freeze at times. That's 20 and a half sacks right there. And then I'd say along with that, always schematically be alert for Simmons blitzing. He's the guy they want to bring. He's the guy they'll occasionally walk up on the edge on the line of scrimmage. you got to have him. And then you're right about Vance Joseph. Expect a lot of volume on third down. You know, everybody's going to walk those guys up, those linebackers up into those sugars and deltas. They like to bring a lot of five-man rush here, and I wouldn't be surprised that that's going to be his uh, method of doing it. I really expect him to come after us if they can get us on third down. Um, and if we get in spread, even a little bit of zero blitz. So, you know, I think that's, that's the important thing is on third down, you know, don't let them get an easy one. Make sure that we've yeah. got everybody picked up. We're good at that. Jonathan had a great pickup last week on that big throw that, uh, that, that, that uh, once made early, uh, and and that's really important because we're going to get that volume. But those those are the big things. But again, be who we are. Just be ready to maybe take some shots every once in a while on first down. All right, Rick. Lastly, fantastic job as always. But as we wrap up, this is I mean it's going to be another great test for the Colts, and not a game that they should be afraid of or uh, an opponent that they should be afraid of, right? Because they've already proved they can beat anybody. Buffalo should have beat Baltimore. Two games with Tennessee, should have won that last one, should have beat Tampa, beat New England last week. The Colts, long story short, they're not going to be intimidated in this game. And the Cardinals coming off two bad losses. They're trying to right this ship. They're trying to win the NFC West. They can lock up a playoff spot with a win. They got to take it to Arizona in this game. They got to be the aggressor on the road and have no letdowns after an emotional investment. Big win against New England last week. How worried are you that this team is not going to bring their best foot forward after that emotional win last week against New England, flying across the country and being away from friends and family on Christmas Eve and Christmas night? Well, I, I, I'm not really that worried about it. I think two things. First of all, this team has been playing in the playoffs since they were one and four. Mm-hmm. This team has 
responded with their backs to the wall. I, I think it's a team of very, very high football character that understands totally what is on the line. Uh, I say it week in and week out, and it's certainly not a company line. You know me better than that. I'm very unfiltered uh, on what I say. Uh, Frank gets a team ready every week. I, I mean, just very, very seldom. I mean, it's uh, few and far between will you ever see his team not ready to play motivationally uh, going into the game. Uh, I do think that we have to understand this will be a prideful team. They're going to come back after that Detroit thing, and we're going to get a big effort from them. There isn't any doubt about that. I would have very much been happier for them to win that game. But at the end of the day, it's all on the line. To be afraid of these guys would be silly. I said it last week. We were the better team. Don't play the myth. The 10-4 and four is based on the first seven games of the yeah. season. That's mm-hmm. not who they've been here in the last seven. I think we're the better team if you look at the team from top to bottom. They've got their – you know, they've got their quarterback, they've got some elements, but I don't think they're as good a team as the Colts if we do our job. The biggest thing is you go in there, you think no tomorrow. It's that 1-0 that we that Frank has been preaching all the time. Now the 1-0 just takes on more significance, to be honest with you. I think you kind of alluded to it. The big thing here because of their style is if you can establish the lead, that's not always easy, but if you could come out on fire like you did against the Patriots, um, I think it affects how they play. I don't think they're nearly as good a team if you jump on them, if you put them in a disadvantage. And you know what? You know, I think that even though they're leading the league, I look at, I look at body language. I think this is a team that is really questioning themselves. I, I really do. I thought that they really – had the bad body language against Detroit, and that's why it's so important to punch him, punch him in the face fast and furious. Everything is on the table for us now. Yeah. Everything is on the table from a playoff berth to a possible um, AFC South champion, and and that is not at all beyond you know uh, recognition. Right. I, I yeah. watched Tennessee, and Tennessee is playing with nothing. They're on fumes, and you know Tannehill. He's basically throwing to JV guys. I mean, and this is why the turnovers are there. I mean, they lost their runner. Now they've lost their receivers. I mean, they're going to have trouble winning the game. I'm just telling you, they're going to have trouble winning the game. So we need to just keep the foot on the gas, force body languages, this team, right. you know, and, you know, get on them early in the crowds. You know how the NFL crowds are, you know, particularly after that loss to Detroit, they'll turn over on, on a second, you know, really. I don't think Kyler Murray looks happy. I think he was really mad on the interception. You know, he he, kind of gave the bad look to A.J. Green. That tells me something. You know, know, let's let's just force the action, make them play in the type of game they don't want to play. Just destroy their Christmas joy. Just destroy it while we're while we're eating a feast up there <laughs> in the press box. You know, we just hope to ruin them. You know, and I go back to that, and I believe this totally. And I believed it when he said it. Is why not us? This is the Colts are a really good team that is getting very close to playing full nine innings. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very very close. Once we play nine innings. You know, they say a tough out. We're going to be a really tough out. Indeed. Rick Venturi, man, wonderful job as always. Now, before we close, got to ask, what does what does Christmas morning look like at the Venturi household? Well, it, you know, it, you know, my daughter, first of all, I'm on cloud nine because uh, she's coming in at 7 o'clock tonight from San Francisco, 
And I haven't seen Marin in two years because of COVID. Yeah, and that awesome. is unusual. She's my pride and joy. <laughs> and so, you know, I could, I could probably. Wait a minute. I thought, I, I, thought I was your pride and joy. What the hell? <laughs> no, no, on Sundays you are. But <laughs> I've got about 50 years with this one. So. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> but she's coming in. And so she'll be there with Sherry and I. And then Jason will be over with the kids uh and uh with the grandkids so yeah. you know we'll have a little exchange we've decided to put our big dinner back because i don't want to miss it till sunday you know we've decided since it's game day that we'll just kind of have a good day during the day and exchange and enjoy one another and then uh right. let me go on down and uh and and get get this thing together with you and have our normal good time and then we're actually going to have our big Christmas dinner on Sunday. Oh, that's great. Fantastic, man. Well, have a great Christmas. Tell the family uh, we all said hello. Enjoy that time uh, because, like you said, a unique situation that uh, has kept you apart. So enjoy it. Can't wait for the game on Saturday night, Rick. Enjoy the holiday with family, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, sir. All right, partner. We will. <laughs> you got it. Rick Venturi right there. I'm Matt Taylor, and this has been Inside Football getting you ready. A great breakdown of the Colts and the Cardinals. Coming up on Christmas, the first game the Colts have ever played on Christmas Day. Have a great holiday, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week getting you ready for the Raiders here on Inside Football with Rick Venturi right here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.